Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Zenya Chen for Female Startup Club. Hey everyone, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. Today, I'm learning from Zenia Chen, the founder of Threads. Threads is a new direct-to-consumer luxury tights brand. By cutting out the middleman and working directly with their Italian factory, they're able to offer customers a luxurious and high-quality pair of tights at a fraction of the going price. Today, we're chatting about the differences between working with a Chinese manufacturer versus working with an Italian manufacturer and how to weigh up the pros and cons of both the importance of doing deep customer research before building your brand, and why Facebook marketing is key in driving growth. And while I'm on the topic of Facebook and Instagram ads, I want to take a moment to shout about our agency partner, Amplifier. If you're a small business looking to start outsourcing your performance marketing efforts to an agency, feel free to shoot me an email at hello at femalestartupclub.com to book in a free consultation today. I've left my info in the show notes too, in case you want to find it there. As with every episode, I do have a quick favor to ask you, and I'm giving you my major thanks in advance. Reviews on the Apple Podcast app help new ears find us. So if you've been loving the show, would you please take a moment to leave the show a review? And a million bonus points if you want to send me a screenshot on Instagram and I will share it on my page. I would love to give you and your brand a shout out and a little love there as well. You can find me at Dune Roisin, which is D-O-O-N-E-R-O-I-S-I-N. You can also slide into my DMs anytime just to say hello. I really love meeting you guys. Let's get stuck into this episode. This is Zenya for Female Startup Club. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Xenia, hi, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. I'm super excited to dig in and understand your business and how you've been building it so far. Can you start by introducing yourself and what your business actually is? Yeah, so I'm Zenia Chen. I'm the founder of Threads. So we are a direct-to-consumer hosiery startup. And essentially what we do is we provide high quality, comfortable, luxurious Italian hosiery at a fraction of the price that you would usually be paying if you were to go to one of these big box department stores or one of the high-end brands. So we streamline the supply chain. So we go directly from the factory to you. We sell online. We're able to cut out all of the markups and middlemen. Disrupting the industry. Love it. (laughs) Hopefully. Where does your entrepreneurial story start? So my background is in finance. I went to school for business and I started my career in investment banking and private equity. So I was wearing a lot of business attire and along with that was wearing a lot of pantyhose and tights almost every single day. And I felt really frustrated because I found that there was no really brand out there that was both high quality and affordable. So I felt like I was either going to a department store and paying $50, $60 for a really comfortable pair, or you go to the drugstore and you spend $10 for a pair that is just really uncomfortable, that sucks, but is more affordable. So it was really tough for me to reconcile like why wasn't there an option in between. So did a lot of research into the industry. And basically, it's an industry that hasn't really been innovated in decades. So you have a lot of these large retail conglomerates that have these popular brands that is, you know, a part of their conglomerate and they're not really motivated to innovate. So as a result, you have this really stuffy old-fashioned brand that is not really catered to the modern consumer. <laughs> oh, totally. I can picture it now. <laughs> Definitely. You know, I just think the experience is you go into the hosiery aisle and you're Faced with hundreds of brands, and it's just these legs, right? Like it's there. All the brands are really faceless, nameless, and I just thought there could be a better, more fun way to do this. And on top of that, like, why can't we get a really high quality pair of tights at a low price that's more affordable to the average woman, right? And it just felt like every single coworker I spoke to about this felt the same frustration, and. On top of that, even beyond my industry, there are so many women out there that wear tights and pantyhose for work, right? So whether you're in the service industry or you're a flight attendant, there are truly just so many working women out there that could benefit from this. So I had this idea basically since the first year out of school, but didn't really have the guts, I guess, to act on it until a few years later. And I just decided one day that I was just thinking about it all the time. And I thought, you know what? If I woke up the next morning and someone else started this business, I would be really annoyed at myself. So um, started working on it when I was still working in my private equity job. I did it at night, on the weekends, and just started from there. And about you know nine months in, I launched the beta product. And as soon as I launched the beta product, it was pretty clear that there was definitely market interest. And I had to either pick do I want to put all of my energy into my then full-time job or do I want to pursue threads? And I, I eventually you know, chose threads. 
And now I'm about two years into building the business, um, like completely full time on it. So that's the story of Threads in a nutshell. Love that story in a nutshell. I'm definitely one of those women who has been in the department store, been overwhelmed, bought the product, wrecked it the same day that I wore it and been like, but why? (laughs) This sucks. Like it was expensive and I've worn it once and now I have to go back to the department store and blah, hate the whole experience. What's the general lifetime, like length of lifetime of a pair of stockings? Like how long should you have a pair of stockings before you wreck them? I mean, it really depends on how often you wear them, right? I think for someone like me, I was wearing them almost every day. I'm totally like a dress girl because I like the one piece instead of two pieces. Like I'm lazy like that. Um, (laughs) So, you know, in my opinion, like if you're wearing them every day, you should have them for at least a month. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's, and, and for me, it's not just, oh, they rip. So it's the end of the life. At the end of the day, it's a very thin material. So even if they don't rip, they lose elasticity. They get kind of gross at the feet, you know, they they Mm. fill. So there definitely is a shelf life. Totally. But I definitely think that shelf life should be as extended as possible. Um, But again, I think it really depends on how often you wear them and how careful you are with them. Totally. And just to paint the picture for the listeners. So there's the $10 you know, drugstore kind of option. And then there's the $60 high-end option in, you know, a boutique department store. Where is the price point for you? What does your price point sit around? Yeah. So currently our sheer tights go for 13 US dollars. That's around 17 Canadian dollars. And, you know, a lot of our customers compare our quality to the same quality as like the $60 pair, which to me, that's like the ultimate compliment validation because that's why we built the business. So I love it when people say, wow, you're saving me like $50 basically yeah. every single pair that we're buying. So that's a huge saving for the customer. That's incredible. Cool. Okay. I want to get into the more of the story back in the very beginning. I just wanted to, you know, ask a few quick questions there, but I want to go back to what year are we talking when you kind of started actually building the brand in your corporate job? So 2018, January 2018 is when I decided... I actually remember I was in London with my best friend, December of 2017. And we were just talking about our goals for 2018. And and we were just... you know, I actually decided in London that I was going to start trying for... Uh, you know, trying to build this brand. So very full circle moment here. <laughs> Love it. Coming in from London. Yeah. Okay, so you have that moment, you're you're deciding to get started. What are the first steps that you actually have to do to bring this brand to life? Yeah, so I mean, I had been talking about this idea for years before, right? To me, it was like every single time I had the conversation with a female coworker about hosiery, I would say, "Oh, wouldn't it be great if there was this brand? You know, would it, wouldn't it be great if there was like a subscription company or, you know, I was ideating this entire time." But for me, what was really important is I wanted to make sure that there was other interest out there that wasn't just my friends and coworkers. Because I think talking about an idea with your friends and coworkers is very different from talking about it with a person on the street because your friends and coworkers are more likely to be like, oh yeah, like that's a great idea. You know, they're definitely more agreeable. So my first step was I put together this sort of consumer research survey that I wanted to send out to my network, but I wanted my network to forward it to their network and really, you know, have it be like two to three degree connections. And so really at first I wanted to get as much information as possible from what I thought at that point was my target audience, target group, which was women working in the corporate world. Since then, you know, that audience has expanded so much more. But at that time, that's who I thought I was mainly selling to. So put together a pretty detailed but also succinct research survey and sent it out to my network, asked them to send it out to their network. And I just remember sending it out on a Friday. And then by the Sunday, over 200 people had taken it. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. And at first I was just expecting like, you know, maybe like if 40 people respond, I'll be really happy. But I guess people were so fed up with this problem and they found this like a possible solution to be so interesting that they wanted to, you know, get it out as much as possible. So that was, you know, my first sign that 
okay, there's, there's interest in a solution to this problem. So that sort of, and, and, you know, before I had the idea for threads, like what threads is today, I, I didn't have that solution right off the jump. I just knew that there was a problem that I wanted to solve and I didn't know what the solution was going to look like. So, you know, I've always wanted to build threads from, you know, problem to solution. So, you know, what are people wanting from their hoser experience? What type of product do they want? What type of experience do they want? What are their pain points? And then build a solution from there. So that initial survey was very valuable in the information that I was getting. And eventually, you know, I took that information and built threads to what it is today. That's so cool. I want to dig a little bit deeper into the customer research survey that you sent out to specifically understand like what were the questions that you were asking that got you the most answers that were like unexpected, things that you didn't know yet and you discovered through the research. Yeah. So I think the number one pain point that I thought people were having was your tights ripping, right? Your tights ripping and the comfortability of it. But when I really drilled down into what the real pain points were and what people wanted out of their tights, there were three main buckets and it's not just the ripping. The ripping is like the tip of the iceberg, but there's so much more to it than that, right? So I found out that the pain points or what people wanted boil down to number one, quality. So that's, you know, ripping, comfort, the feel of the yarns, price, which that's number two. And then third thing is convenience. So price, people don't want to be paying a high price for something that they deem is a wardrobe staple. And let me explain that a little bit. So you know, I love shopping. I love going out and buying a cute pair of jeans, a nice pair of shoes, something that, you know, those things make me feel good, right? Like I, you know, wear a nice dress and I instantly feel better about myself. Stockings, unfortunately, just don't fall into that category because it's such a wardrobe basic. People want something that's comfortable and just works, but they don't want to be spending like $100 per pair, right? It just, that just seems like such a splurge for something that is just so basic. Um, so that was a, another big pain point. And then the third thing is convenience. So people, there's two purchasing habits. People either like to buy stock up at the beginning of the season and buy maybe like 10 pairs and see how long it lasts them. Or people will buy one at a time. So, you know, I'll go to the drugstore today, buy a pair. And then when that rips, I'll, you know, buy another pair. But the issue is so many people forget to buy a pair. So the most common problem is people will reach into their drawer in the morning and realize that, you know, there's a pantyhose graveyard. There's not a single pair (laughs) that works. um, And they don't have a pair that is a backup. So I think people were really looking for a solution that was like, you know, maybe if it can come to my door every month, that would be really useful. Especially like the people that I was polling at the time, they're, they're busy career women, right? They have better things to do with their time than remembering to buy a pair of tights every month. So when I was building out threads, I was really solving for those three buckets. I thought, what is a solution that I can bring to the table that really checks the box for all three buckets that people really care about? Yeah, that's amazing. Love the subscription part of it because that is just so true. I've definitely been in that situation where you're like, I need to wear some tights and then I don't have any because I've ripped them all already. Damn it. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Was the next step finding the manufacturer and how was that process for you? Yeah, so finding the manufacturer, that is the thing that took the longest uh, during 2018. So the first few months, I didn't have any connections or, you know, or anything in the textile world. Actually, looking back, I was so naive. Um, I just thought, you know, how, how hard it could be. Like there are people <laughs> that make all these widgets in the world, but... Uh, aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, so naive. Um, but, you know, you'll find that it's easy to find someone who makes the thing that you want, but it's really hard to find someone that you think, okay, this is a person I want to build a long-term relationship with. So when I had the first design in my mind of the prototype, I shopped it to factories all over the world. So in Europe, in Asia, everywhere. So now our factory is in Italy. That's where we make our product. But at the beginning, when I was building the prototype, I actually used a factory in China. They were the ones that were the quickest to iterate. And um, so that was where the first prototype was made. But the issue with finding a manufacturer is when you're a small company and you're unknown, or not even a small company at that point, you're not, you're not a real company. You're just you know one person who is trying to make a product. People don't really take you seriously, right? So it's a lot of like, advocating for yourself, selling them on your vision, on the future, getting them to take a chance on you. And that, you know, that part I didn't think was going to be tough, but it it definitely was tough. It's challenging. And especially for, you know, if you're a factory that has been in the business for 50 years and all of a sudden this young woman comes to you and says, "Hey, I want to, you know, make this product that is going to be really different for the industry." Like they're you know, not really going to believe you. So there's definitely a lot of advocating for yourself and, and pitching involved in, in that process. And at the end of the day, I ended up going with the Italian factory because I felt they were the ones that were going to take a chance on me. They were the ones who I could see myself being in a long-term, you know, 10-year, 20-year partnership with. So, um, you know, even though they weren't the ones that were the quickest to iterate and uh, you know, the most nimble, I felt good about the relationship. And, you know, to this day, I, I think it's one of the things that I'm most proud of. Mm. Are you able to share what the minimum order quantities were like for the Chinese factory versus the Italian factory? Yeah. So the minimum, I think it was around 3000 for the Chinese factory. And then for the Italian factory, it's around 1000. So lower minimums for the Italian factory, which is, which is great. But, you know, the Chinese factory, obviously the price of the goods is, is lower. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, our ethos of being like this high end Italian brand, I think what I'm trying to say is as a brand, you have to weigh, you know, pros and cons. Like, do I do this? You know, do I go with this company that has like a lower COGS or? has a higher minimum order or do I go with this company that has a lower minimum order but higher cogs? And I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to 
you know, trusting your gut and following what you believe in as a brand. Mm, totally. It's like, there's no right or wrong answer. It's for every, every entrepreneur to decide. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I just wanted to say sometimes, and, and I didn't know this at the beginning, sometimes these factories will quote you a minimum order quantity and it is for sure negotiable, right? So I think for the Chinese factory, originally they quoted me like 9,000 or something crazy. And I was like, I don't even know if this idea is going to work. I'm not buying 9,000 pairs of tights, right? And I think one of my friends who was also, she was starting a fashion brand at the time. She was the one who told me it's negotiable. Like go back to them and, you know, tell them that you can't do 9,000. And, you know, like I I think everything at the end of the day is, is negotiable. So, and I wish I remember that when I was just starting out that a lot of the times vendors will quote you prices and quantities and definitely go back to them and negotiate. It's actually a really key tip that I forget even, you know, in today's world, like everything is negotiable and you can always go back and and also just see, just see what's possible. It's, it doesn't hurt to ask, that's for sure. Definitely. I always love to chat about the money side of things. Are you able to share what kind of capital you needed to put in to get the brand off the ground, place that first order, kind of up until getting ready to launch kind of thing? Yeah, so... Initially, I would around $10,000 is what I put in. So that was enough to put in my minimum order, build the website. Um, I was just really focused on at the beginning seeing if this idea had legs or not. So I just wanted to get the product out there, see if there was market uptake. And then at that point, decide okay, this idea is not going to work. Let's just scrap it. Like there's there's no interest. Or I begin to sort of polish the brand. And I thought $10,000 is sort of what it takes. I mean, obviously it's taken way more since then to, to build the brand. But I do think... Like I think for a lot of people, they think that it takes like $100,000, like $500,000 to build a brand. And that might be true, but I think to validate an idea and see if an idea has legs, you don't have to spend that much money. Mm, yeah, it's an important one to keep note of. That's for sure. You can do it on a on a smaller budget and, and work within your means. So how did you prove the concept? How did you get started? What was the launch like? How did you start spreading the good word about your tights? Yeah, so I think... Um, I guess this is what I call the beta launch, which is what happened in fall of 2018. So I built the website on my own on Shopify and basically just like set up a, you know, subscription only model. I emailed it out to the 200 people who had done the survey and I said, okay, the site is live. Like, let me know if you're interested in, you know, ordering and, you know, pass it off to your friends and family and and whatever. And my goal for that was just to see if, People were interested in the purchase model. And, you know, this purchase model, the product, wanted to seek feedback to see if I should really continue. And so, really, you know, no marketing dollar spent. I just wanted to see if it was a good offering before, before I did that. Um, and the response was, was really good. And I, I think up until fall of 2018, when I was just working on the idea, I think it was pretty easy to do just at nights, on the weekends, because all the deadlines I had were internal, right? Like if I didn't meet a deadline, it was completely just like, oh, okay, I guess it'll be pushed on to next week. But be next week. <laughs> yeah. But once you have paying customers, it's really hard to do that. And I think from then on, I didn't, I didn't realize this. Again, so naive when I first launched this. Um, but once I pressed launch, it was really just such a treadmill environment for me. I remember just working at my day job, which at the time was working a lot of hours. So I would get home at like 8 or 9 p.m., do stuff for threads, work on threads for just the entire weekend, and then you know go back to work on Monday. And I, I realized pretty quick into it that A there was market interest in the offering and the product, which is awesome. But then like, well, I guess I have to choose between my full-time job or this. I can't really... like. I I almost like didn't expect this sort of response, which, you know, obviously good, but I don't think I was really prepared for it. So to be honest, at that point, I was, I was, I think I was a little bit burnt out. I was just really tired and, you know, threads was the thing that was giving me a life 
and I was really excited to work on it, but I was really tired. So I had to make the decision, do I want to pursue this and give it a chance or do I want to keep working at my full-time job? There's no doing both. So I think at that time I just decided, you know what, I'm going to give this a go. I was 26 at the time. I thought, you know, if this doesn't work, I'm going to go back to finance, right? And at least I gave it a go. So that's what I did and left that job in March of 2019. So it's about just over two years now that I've been full-time on it. Ah, love it. Great decision for you. (laughs) Yeah, great decision. But it was definitely tough at the beginning. Just, you know, coming from a corporate world where there's structure to everything and there's, uh, there's hurdles and, you know, benchmarks and you know exactly like, am I doing a good job? Am I not doing a good job? To completely just going off the deep end and going, you know, treading water, setting your own goals, setting your own benchmarks. It was, Definitely a tricky transition. And like, I think it probably took me like, I mean, I'm still to this day figuring out like what works for me. How do I set reasonable goals and expectations for myself and just, I guess, devise more of like a framework for myself? It's, it can be um, just different coming from the corporate world. Yeah. Gosh, absolutely. And especially given the last year where there's a lot of alone time, working alone, working at home. It's been tough having to set those specific routines and you know keeping keeping motivated inside all the all the mess that's been going on. Yeah. Failure. Failure. <laughs> yeah. And also I think setting boundaries for just not working all the time. I think, you know, when you're running your own business, you're obviously just thinking about it all the time. Even when you're not working, right? Even when I'm in the shower, I'm thinking about, you know, this like what do I do with this? customer or what am I, you know, just employees, like everything. So you're never really taking a break. And I think just setting those boundaries is really important. And again, it's something that I'm still working on. And I I think to some extent as an entrepreneur, you never are wearing just your at-home hat, right? So totally. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. In the beginning, when you originally sent it out to 200 people, you got a great response. How did you then start to keep that momentum going and keep finding new customers and getting the word outside of those that pool of 200 people? Yeah. So I think once I decided, okay, this is a great product, like the bones of the product are good and you know the structure of the house is sound, <laughs> that's when I felt more comfortable to spend marketing dollars in, you know, paid ads, um, paid partnerships, because I knew that, you know, the people who were coming in were going to be happy with, with the product. And I think something that has been really helpful for us has been Facebook ads. You know, you're almost like, you know, you put in a dollar, you get back at least two. And not only that, but Facebook is really smart, right? They'll find customers that are actually interested in your product. And the more you spend, the smarter they get. So I think not only has it been a really good return for us, but it's also helped me find customer groups that I wouldn't have thought at the beginning that were interested in our tights. And and something that's a customer group that has been really interesting for us is men who wear tights. No way. Yeah. That's so cool. So they are a huge customer segment. And, um, it, it's been really interesting. There's just, you know, there's a lot of men out there who like to wear them under their pants or at home just for comfort, for warmth. And a lot of them have been wearing tights for like 40, 50 years. And this hasn't been, you know, this is not on my radar at the beginning. But to be honest, during the pandemic, especially at the early stages where, you know, women were not getting dressed up and not going to work, men were like every other order for us was, was a man. So yeah, very interesting. Facebook is it was very valuable for us to to find that demographic. How do you tweak your content then to market to them specifically? Because I imagine, you know, you would have had your shoots and your content all kind of focused around women. Yeah. Whereas were men responding to that female-led content or did you need to change the content? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think Men who buy tights are generally used to a lot of the marketing materials being geared towards women. That being said, one of the biggest pieces of feedback from them is, you know, I wish there were more images online that portrayed men wearing tights, you know, lifestyle images and just ways that men can style tights. 
So we've been slowly shifting our marketing to cater towards that. And, and I say slowly, not because we want to do it slowly, but because of COVID, we're, you know, it's, there's like so many lockdown restrictions and it's been hard for us to do a traditional photo shoot. But yeah, you'll see in our social media and our, and our website and even in our reviews, there's like a ton of men and there's, you know, representation there. So yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. It's amazing. I saw a bunch of your reviews from men, but I also saw a review that really made me laugh and be like, wow, that's such a genius idea. It was the one of the person who works in the bush all day and they started wearing tights because a friend told them that that would stop tick bites. And I was like, what? This is genius. That's amazing. Love a good review. (laughs) I know. I read that and I was like, Wow, this is, I, I would not have thought that this is a use case for tights, but I'm so glad that it's helping you. Yeah, that's really cool. It's been so interesting. And like just, you know, talking through with you what our initial target audience was and looking at it today, like it's expanded so much. And it's a lot of it is due to Facebook. Oh, gosh, it's pretty crazy what you can do with Facebook ads, really, when you think about, you know, what people did before Facebook ads when it was traditional media like on a billboard or it was an ad in a newspaper and I don't know, you look at it today. It's just so crazy. Love it. Yeah. It's crazy in a way it it levels the playing field, right? For a young brand versus a brand that's been there for 20 years and has a multi-million dollar marketing budget. Like I think the beauty of Facebook ads is you can literally have a $10 budget and you can get results from it, which is obviously not the case for a billboard or, you know, newspaper ad. Mm, Totally. When you look back over the last couple of years, what have been the key tipping points or moments of significant growth? Um, I think for us, so we started working with the PR consultant. Um, Earned Media has been a very beautifully executed and working piece of our marketing strategy. And I think for many reasons, I think uh, obviously, you know, helps with, you know, SEO and, and all that. But at the end of the day, our product is stockings, which is not the most exciting, sexy product out there. And I think it's when we're able to tell our story and, and explain why we started the company and what's awesome about our tights compared to, you know, the average pair out there. I think many people resonate with that story. And I think earned media has allowed us to really tell that story you know, across many different outlets directed at many different audiences. So that's definitely been a piece of media that has had pretty high ROI. Can you share the results of, you know, what it looks like when you hit a really key piece of media? Like what kind of traffic comes to the website or what kind of orders can you do from a serious piece of media? So I think media... When a piece comes out, whether it's on online or on TV, you can see the spike in traffic, right? So, so what it does is really feeds the top of the funnel traffic or, you know, um, marketing. And then after that, you're able to retarget them from Facebook ads. And, and there's been pieces of media where you think, Oh, this is going to be great for us. But then it ends up just being like more of an awareness traffic play. And there's been other pieces of media where you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm not, you know, not that I'm not excited because you're excited about all pieces of coverage, but you don't expect it to be a huge converter and it ends up being a huge converter. Um, so it's very, I guess, unexpected. Sometimes you'll find that a piece that, you know, maybe you as a millennial don't really tune into yourself ends up being like a huge win for the, you know, 45 plus crowd. Mm, that's so interesting. Where is the business today and what does the future look like, say, over the next 12 months? How big's the team? What's going on? What kind of partnerships are you up to? Shout about all the things. Yes, for sure. So we have four people on our team, me, one other full-time, and then we have two part-time remote employees. So we're a pretty lean team and it's been a pretty high growth year, uh, 2020 and we're working on a few new products. Um, one specifically geared towards our male customers, which I'm really excited about. Um, I just feel like there's such an underserved segment and there's so many of them around the world. And, you know, especially in Europe, I would love to expand distribution to European countries. Currently, we're just in the US and in Canada. And one thing that we haven't really talked about is the pandemic. Um, you know, 2020 has been 
a pretty crazy year. I think, you know, leaving your full-time stable job to go pursue something like this, you really don't expect there to be a global pandemic. And, you know, I think the fact that we were able to grow a lot during the pandemic just gave me so much more confidence into just the future of the business and where we're headed. So cool. What's your key piece of advice for women who have a big idea and want to start their own business? So I would say, you know, it's important to validate your idea first. I think a lot of businesses don't work out because the founders assume that their product is something that's really wanted in the market. But in reality, it's a cool idea, but people aren't really going to pay for it. And I think that validating it is so, so important. And as I mentioned before, not just talking about it with your friends and family, because they're obviously going to be more agreeable about it. I think it's like talking about it with anyone who will listen. Like if your, you know, target audience is females 25 to 35, like, you know, go to a party post COVID and, you know, talk about it with, you know, that idea with people and, and actually just almost like strangers on the street who have nothing to lose if they actually tell you the truth about, oh, I'm not going to pay for it. Right. So Mm, unbiased opinion. Yeah, totally. I think that's really important. And also I think, you know, don't be too precious with your idea. I think being more focused on the, on solving the problem versus just coming up with a solution is really important. I think there have been so many iterations of threads as a product, but also our business model and and all that. And I think just being very open to learning and open to iterating, I think that's going to get you really far. Amazing. Thank you. At the end of every episode, I ask a series of six quick questions, some of which we might have already covered, but I ask them all the same. So question number one is, what's your why? Why are you doing what you're doing? Um, yeah, that's a really great question. I think ultimately when I think about my why, I think about, you know, what are the moments that have made me feel really like good or, you know, have that like warm, fuzzy feeling. And I think whenever I'm empowering people to, you know, do their best or feel their best, that's when I feel the greatest about myself too, right? So whether it's, you know, receiving emails from our male customers who have said, your tights have empowered me to just be more of who I am to, you know, doing podcasts like these where I'm able to inspire other women to start businesses. I think anytime I'm doing that is, I feel like that, that's my why. That's so cool. Question number two is what has been the number one marketing moment that made the business pop? Um, I think, you know, in terms of conversions, like for sure, Facebook ads that, has been a really strong channel for us. But I think in terms of like more like putting us on the map, especially in Canada, I think it's been, I think we were one of the first companies to pivot to launch reusable masks in early 2020. I think this is like before, I mean, everyone's making masks now, but I think we were, you know, truly like one of the first companies to do so. And, you know, we got a lot of national Canadian coverage and that was a really great awareness play. Although, at the time, we didn't mean for it to be you know, a marketing thing. We thought we were just going to launch the masks, help our existing community, but it ended up being really good from a brand awareness perspective. Oh, that's so cool. Question number three is, where do you hang out to get smarter? What are you reading or listening to that others would benefit from knowing about? Um, I love reading. I love podcasts. I, you know, I used to listen to a lot of business podcasts and business books, but I realize that I can't just be, you know, doing businessy stuff all the time. It's, you know, it's a lot. And I think recently in the past year, I've been focused more on personal development and, and mindset podcasts and books. And that has actually, I feel like made me a more stronger business professional. I'm such a firm believer in, you know, you can't grow your business until you grow yourself and you focus on yourself, especially as an early stage founder that so much of the business relies on you that I think so important to get your your mind right and, and healthy. Mm, so true. On that same note about self-help and development, if there was one kind of key resource or book or course that you think would change people's lives or changed your own life, what would that be? The go-to? Um, you know, I go to therapy and um, it's been life-changing for me. At first I started going because I just thought, you know, it's nice to talk to someone about 
just what's going on, like a third party unbiased person. And it has like not to, you know, make everything in into numbers, but it, it's just like the highest ROI in terms of, you know, my personal happiness and that flows back into the business. So I think if you can, you know, go to therapy, if it's covered by insurance or if you can afford it, or even group therapy, I think that is I think that is the ultimate self-care. Mm, love it. Cool. Thanks. Question number four is how do you win the day? Where are you hanging out in the mornings or the evenings? What are you up to that keep you feeling happy and motivated and successful? So I think in the morning, having a a nice routine, even if it's just short, that is really helpful for me. I love to journal. Um, I usually journal and do like a quick meditation. I feel like it really just like helps me get my mind right for the day ahead. And then you know, just being realistic about my to do's and priorities, like writing down like three things that I want to accomplish in that day, like, you know, taking three things out of the long to do list and making sure that, you know, this is what I focus on and my mind doesn't wander. I think that's super helpful. And I think another tactic that I've been doing is when I have committed to ending my work day, just writing down the tasks that I'm going to do tomorrow helps a lot just in terms of like, you know, then the next day you start off your day, you don't think about what am I doing? Like you just, you know, you have things right there. And then another thing is putting your phone away at the end of the day. I think at the end of last year, I remember just like spending so much time on my phone. Like I would take it everywhere with me, right? Like I would move from like the kitchen to the living room and I had my phone strapped to me and I'm just like, that's not just not necessary. So I think just like setting boundaries with your phone really helps me get into that unwinding and relaxing mindset. Mm, I actually just put one of those like automatic do not disturbs on my phone that starts from about nine o'clock every night. And it's so great because it basically blocks any calls and all that kind of things coming on. And I would never do it myself if I had to manually do that every day, but because it happens automatically, then I'm like, oh, well, you know, that's already on now. So I should just leave it. Or if I need to check it briefly, yeah, it's more of an effort to do it. So that's actually been quite helpful to break the obsession with the phone, which I'm sure lots of people have at the moment, especially after COVID. It's been crazy. Yeah. I almost felt like I was addicted to my phone. You know, like I was always just like reaching for it. And it's like, why am I reaching for it? I I don't, I'm not checking anything. I'm just totally, you know, so it's, yeah, it's, it's bad. I even found like, I would reach for my phone. I would do the rounds, you know, like go on Instagram, scroll, exit go into yeah. whatever it was, TikTok, scroll, exit, put my phone down. And then literally 20 seconds later, do the same thing and be like, what? Like catch myself in the moment and be like, I just did this a second ago. Like I have a problem. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I always joke that like going into your phone now is the new walking to your kitchen and opening your fridge. Like sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm going to just take a photo of like, you know, my dog or something, but I end up picking up my phone and like going on Instagram, going on email. And I'm like, wait, why was I here? Oh yeah. I just wanted to open up my camera. Yeah. Oh gosh. I feel you. Question number five. If you were given a thousand dollars grant, no strings attached, what would you do with it? Where would you put those dollars? Um, I think, you know, email marketing is, is a great one. I think just it is the lowest cost highest return when you think about it's just plug and play. It's working with the background. You don't need to do anything. And then with the remainder of the dollars, I would use it on Facebook ads. Nice. And last question, question number six is how do you deal with failure? What's your mindset and approach when things don't go to plan? I think I, you know, now I don't really have a negative view about failure as I as I once used to. I think, you know, if you were to talk to me like five years ago, it would have just been like oh, I'll do anything to avoid failure, right? But now I think I have a way more healthy approach. I th- I'm such a believer in like the more times you fail, like the more likely you are to succeed, right? And, you know, I think a lot of the times when you fail, those are the times when the biggest lessons are taught to you. Even though at the time you don't think that, right? You're just like, oh, this sucks. You know, why am I going through this? But, um, you know, when I think about the times when we've had like the biggest breakthroughs or... Um, the times where I felt the most success, it's because like failure led to it. 
And, um, you know, it's really, it's really hard to remind you in the moment, but something that really helps me is, is journaling. And I give this tip to, to everyone who's looking to start a business, like write stuff down. Like when you're going through a hard time, write it down, write exactly like why, like what you're feeling, why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And then, you know, let's just say six months later, you're stuck in a similar situation. You go back to six months before and you read about, you know, once upon a time, you were feeling really terrible about something, but then you remember, I got through it. I was stronger because of it. And I think just that reminder really helps you manage what you're dealing with at the current moment. I, I know for sure it's helped me. I've been journaling since, you know, I was 16 years old. And, you know, now when I'm going through a test patch, I just literally flip through and I say, okay, you know, when I was 22, when I was 23, when I, you know, when I was like 25, like here are the rough patches or here were the challenges that I thought were the biggest challenges that I've ever had to deal with. But here I am stronger because of it. Right. And I think just that reminder really, really helps you, especially as an entrepreneur when, you know, it's such a roller coaster and there are so many ups and downs. Mm, That sounds like a really impactful habit. I love it. Xenia, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today and share your story and how you've been building your brand threads. I really love chatting with you. Thank you for having me. It was, yeah, it was so much fun. And I hope, you know, your listeners can at least, you know, take a thing or two and um, help them build their own business. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash hype club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that.